0: We don't. Do we have Americans as an audience? I don't think we do. I don't. Oh, I gotta shut myself. Not yet.
1: Shh.
0: Shh. Well, here we are. Episode three of the Willpower Weightlifting Podcast,
2: which I believe is the correct title. Nephew. Correct? Yeah, I'll concede on that one. Concede. Is that a fucking L, is it? That's an L, yeah. Um. That is an L. Right. It is.
0: L stands for loss, apparently, viewer. W's and L's. W's and L's. Right. Joining me on the show today is Sarah Kedwood, the captain. Hello. There we are. She's got Mike Tech, Jordan Sikars. Yes, yes. Michael Farmer. Good evening. And all the way from Americana... Zach Telecaster.
1: How are we doing? You got a telecaster, Zach? I do have a telecaster, actually. My my dad does. Yeah. Yeah, what is it? It's it just a telecaster. I don't know. It, I don't know what year a, it is, but it's a nice guitar. Is it a fender? Fender, yeah, yeah. American made? Yeah. Fender and a stratocaster, too. Uh I think it's Yeah, it's an American made Fender. Not the not the Mexican made, I think. I think that's the other variation, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The Mexican yeah. or the USA models.
1: Yeah. Um yep. what color is it? It's uh, maroon. The telecaster's maroon and then the Ooh. Stratocaster's like fire truck red. Sounds like a 90s version. Yeah, c I think I think you're uh, I think you're on there. Yeah. yeah. What amps has he got? got it. It's not a trick question. Amplify it to plug a guitar in. What what are they? Uh this is all in my my father's basement. He's got a amazing Fender stack. This this tube amp that's yeah. like from the '70s. Fuck. Uh, and then he's got um, a couple others that are they're much smaller. So your old time. man's a player. These, these tube amps are amazing, man. Once they heat up, they sound so good. Yeah, I, I got a few myself.
0: Uh, so he's a player. Your dad is he?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I music's been big in my family since you know, since I was, a born, since I was born, and uh, I started playing drums alongside him and his band when I was, like, 12. What, and then, play?
0: What's the, what was the band playing?
1: Uh, all classic rock, yeah. Just party tunes, like, for, you know, people his age. So, yeah. um, he's, you know, like, he got me obsessed with classic rock, and then from there, it's just, you know, my music tastes have evolved. Um, um, and oh, I'm now oh, starting oh, to get on. back wait, into wait, music, wait, wait, surprisingly, wait, which wait, is awesome. Wait. Can you hear me, Zach?
0: Because um, I'm I'm cutting over you here. You, you're saying your music taste has evolved from classic rock. That sounds well. Like it's, a, it's an oxymoron in my book. So, <laughs> t- like you got blues. No, that
1: that got may be true. That rock, may be true.
0: <laughs> and that's it. So wh- where's yeah, the, the final
1: evolution? Is classic rock is what you're saying? Well, wh- tell me what's beyond that. Indie. Well, <laughs> no. Well, I you know I like uh, I like metal now a little bit more, uh, and then. Just offshoots of that, like even I, I would, you know, for me, like classic rock was more like, you know, as early as like sixty up to like mid seventies, and then after that, I don't really consider it as as the classic rock that I know. Uh, What's your your tune, Zach? What's your favorite tune? Classic rock. Give it to us. Oh God. Uh, I would say. Something off, of, some, it's gotta be a Beatles track. Oh, fuck um,
2: no, don't say
0: that. I, I am saying that, I, I, sorry, go on Zach, you carry on. Is it,
1: I like um, God, I don't know man, favorite classic rock song that's impossible. Right, I, I'll, I, I'll give a I scenario can give you, to you. How about, how about like just right now off the top of my head when the levy breaks and I know that's probably sounds maybe a, like a basic. Uh, answer but for me as a drummer like that changed my life that song
2: right if if if, um if you walked into a bar and karaoke was on (laughs) what would your what would your song
1: choice be so uh this is i don't choose like good songs necessarily for karaoke i would say take on me by aha uh and I've got to be absolutely hammered before I step on that's you know that's got to be that's that's a known fact and then I would say um this song by Eve Six god it's a it, it's like a alternative rock band from this from the 2000s I can't think of the name it's like um uh, whatever but yeah either way before I step on stage for uh for a karaoke song it's known that I'm I'm three sheets to the wind, you know? So, so you're pissed. Yeah. Pissed right. as they say. What's your drink of choice, Zach? What's that? What do you drink? You know, I'm, I haven't been drinking much lately. Usually well, a whiskey drinker. you fucking singing, what's your drink? Uh, I, I would say there's a couple of really nice beers down here. Um, there's this beer called uh, uh Blood and Honey. I might have to send you guys some blood and honey. And it's by this, uh, this company called Revolver. It's like, uh, it's a local Texas beer and um, it's their most popular. And I think it's nationally and maybe even internationally distributed now, but uh, I- I'm obsessed with it. I'll get it at any bar that I go to that, that has it. Right. What's yeah. it called? Blood and what? Blood, honey. And honey. blood and honey. Blood and honey. It's really good. Like, I really like it. Captain, what's your drink?
0: Well, um, apart from gin,
3: <laughs> a spirit,
0: a spirit, a, a neat spirit. That's the favourite. A clear one or a coloured one?
3: Um, clear.
0: Clear.
2: Yeah, I like them
3: your clear. No flavours.
2: Jordy, what's your drink? I like a lager dash.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, a lager with lime, please. Drive. I
3: lemonade or lime?
2: Nah, lime. A lager with lime cordial. Um, yeah. You, you know, don't don't at me on that one. It's it is what it is. Or, or in France, um, fuck me, I drank um, lager and uh, peach cordial. Ooh. Wow. Um, lager, what was it? Um, I didn't realize Beer that. avec pêche. Yeah, f- Jesus wept. You can just nice. sink them like nothing. Avec pêche. Avec pêche, yeah. Michael, <laughs> you ever drank?
4: Yeah. <laughs> I, I went to uni. <laughs> um, I don't know. You're a fucking athlete. <laughs> I like um Bitter? Bitter. Oh, your old man works for uh, a brewery, doesn't he? He, he does. Who does he work for? Shout him out. Uh, Mawson Coors. I, I don't know if I should probably associate them with this.
0: Really? Oh, right. Okay. Nice one, Mike. Um, so he works for a beer company.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's correct.
0: Right. So uh, you've drunk from a young age, have you?
4: Well, from the house, yeah. have been um, plied with Coors.
0: Plied? L down? <laughs> Bonged? Is it a bong? What's it called? A roof? What's that? What's that fucking flute that you pour in people's mouths? Oh, a um,
2: yard? Uh, a yard, yard, right? Yeah, uh, Okay. Ruth I think yard. I think <laughs> the dr- the drinking <laughs> culture in in Britain is far different to the US. Exactly. Oh yeah. Where
0: the Vastly fuck do you live? Different. Tell me where you live. Where are you in in the US of age? Austin, Austin, Texas. Oh right. Okay. So Antones is in Austin, Texas. Very famous. Uh, it? Antones.
1: It's a famous blues gig in Austin. Uh, do you know what? There's no do you, there's like, we we have streets that we like party on in, in Austin. There's like different areas. We, is it on Sixth Street? Zach, I'm in fucking Pontypool. I don't, you're in Austin. Hey, hey. there This is a destination. Sixth Street, Austin is a destination. It's the same thing as knowing. um I'll find out. I got bourbon street in, in New Orleans or yeah, you know, bourbon street. I know it. Yeah, no, it's the same. It's the exact same vibe. So I'm sure Anton's is like. Yeah. Gotta be on 6th Street, most, something like it's that.
0: It's the most famous blues gig on the planet.
1: So, what? Yes. And you don't not fucking in, know about it. I'm from Chicago, man. I'm from Chicago. We've got some big blues gigs no, you in don't. Chicago. No, you don't. You did, but you don't now. Uh, Kingston Mines. You ever heard of Kingston Mines? I have. But It's yeah, not still Antons. going on. Still going strong, man. It's, it's fucking amazing there. I'll
0: tell you now. Look it up. Right. I will. Should we talk some weightlifting? Yeah, I think. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it. People, huh? people have come come weightlifting. Zach thought he was going to talk weightlifting on the show. <laughs> right. Um, you're all weightlifters. And the first segment is about weightlifters gear. And it strikes me as a coach observing all you fuckers when you come in the gym. You're always wearing something new. New pair of straps, fucking knee sleeves, wraps, fucking uh, wristbands and all the stuff of it. So
1: you can tell me. Are you wraps or sleeves? Man, lately I've been very minimalist. Very. You're not like art, uh... Zach. You're not art. <laughs> huh? You're not, a, you're not a work of <laughs> art. You're a fucking minimalist. No, I went from, I used to a, have I've the heavy-duty knee sleeves. Most heavy-duty s- knee sleeves, wrist wraps, uh, thumb tape, had to have it. Big yeah. belt, had to have it on, too. the, You know, the hook grip, like very, like, almost non-existent knee sleeves. They're like stretchy, we're kind the, of like...
2: The Chinese lot wear.
1: Yeah, right. Like they, there's no support. They're just kind of like warming. Those were what I used for uh, cleaning and jerks and then snatches, I didn't put anything on my knees and then uh, no more thumb tape, no more wrist stuff anymore. Right. Captain?
3: I'm just a knee sleeve girl.
0: Knee sleeve girl. Oh, never you, tro- never you got, tried a wrap. You've got a belt?
3: I've got a belt, yeah.
0: So knee sleeves, never tried wraps? Never.
2: Mm. Jordi no. you've wrapped oh well, I I mean yeah. I made a glass so I'd, I'd be wearing fucking duct tape if I needed to um, and cement yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's um yeah so I struggle with knees um, so I did used to wear knee wraps for some time um, but I found that with the knee wraps you could often mask an injury so if your knees were giving you jib You just tighten them up until you couldn't feel your knee anymore and then all of a sudden you're completing training but i think for longevity purposes um a a sleeve is a lot more consistent and it allows you to you know it or it forces you to address the issues at hand as opposed to masking them with with a wrap
3: is it is there a big difference
2: um yeah i think so The, the i think you can you can you know you can i suppose the difference being is you can and more as the sets um, get heavier and things like that, but it's a fucking ball ache. It's a real ball ache, the raps. Um, you used to wear wraps as well, didn't you?
4: Yeah, when I first started lifting, um, I think I saw a Clock Off wearing them. I well, thought that was cool. And I think I came to the gym and Justin was like, what the fuck is that on your knees? <coughs> and you asked, why, why are you wearing them?
2: I think the only time raps Falou cool question. is, it, like Donnie Shankle, with a, a set of bandages.
0: He's had the same fucking bandages, mate, for like 30 years. You know, that's... They f- fucking stink. <laughs> they, they've been in my house, right? And I think my wife offered to wash them. <laughs> he refused. He refused. <laughs> 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 no, I don't think anything... Like, they, they're held together by fucking microorganisms and bacteria. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking... But he, they're, they're just crepe bandages, aren't yeah,
2: they? Yeah, that, I think that's a stylish what, way to wear them.
0: What did you wear, Mike? Were they, were they actual... Bought wraps, were they?
4: Uh, they were um, clock off brand, I think. Right? Oh right, back okay. in the day, right. Um, but I soon switched to sleeves because it was the norm mm. more than anything else.
0: And uh, Zach, are
4: you
1: a strapper? Do you uh, wear straps? Yeah, now and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that it was interesting for me. The more experience I got, the more I use uh, straps for snatches. Um, and then before I, I, you know when I was a beginner, I couldn't like figure out how to use them. And I just said, screw it. If I'm just doing, you know, singles or, or doubles, I'll, I'll just drop the bar. Um, or even if it's a complex, I'll just tough it out and hold it in my hook grip. But yeah, I, I use straps a lot in, in snatches for sure.
2: Would you, um, would you agree though, that there, there can be, um, a reliance for straps for some athletes where.
1: 100%. -hmm. I mean, I have an athlete right now that, Uh, He snatched 130 kilos. He's a young guy. He's one of my juniors. And he snatched 130. We all went berserk. You know, and then next cycle of training, he missed like 120 with no straps, you know, like five times in a row. And so I I just, like not five times in a row in one session, but like in, uh, you know, different snatch sessions. And so, you know, we went before his last meet, we went, um, God, I don't know, maybe eight plus weeks without using straps leading up to it. Just because I was like, I'm not having it, you know, like, you know, you're either pulling with straps or you're not pulling at all. Um, the only times he would ever do that, it, ever use straps was if it was complexes, mm. um, or heavy pulls, but that was it. And then, um, you know, leading up to competition, I don't give a shit what he can, snatch with straps because he's proven to me that the disparity between his snatched up strap and and bare hands is too big, too great. And I think that's an important point, Zach, that youngsters who
0: may not have come from the farm don't have any grip. They can't hold on to fucking shit.
1: Has he got big hands or small hands? Small hands.
4: Yeah, fucking small hands. hands. Mm
1: And, and it, you know, it, it, what's interesting about grip strength, I think it's very underrated and weightlifting doesn't do anything to develop it. The hook grip doesn't do anything to develop grip strength. Um, <clears throat> and one of the lifters at, at, it's, I don't own the gym that I train at. It's my one of my best friends, Adam uh, White. He's a, he's a fine lifter Adam. himself. And um, he worked a lot on his grip strength and his both lifts went up. I mean, obviously there were other factors involved, but his confidence in the second pull in both lifts was much higher because of his increased uh, grip strength. And another cue that I, that I commonly use with lifters is to actually just notice the bar, like the feeling in your hands, right? Like not just to go completely slack and numb in the hands, you know, actually feel it. Um, and and it will, it, it'll help you in different stages of the pull. So I completely agree
2: because I see, I see you, um, you, or you're going to correct me if I'm wrong, but you do implement no hook, um, no foot snatches on quite a few of your athletes. Yeah. Is, is that all all the time? One of the main reasons for grip and that, uh,
1: well, any variant that I program, uh, is the main reason for it is that it, it becomes a conditional lift right? So you now are not lifting under the conditions of just making a snatch, you're lifting under the conditions, you have to not use your feet, you have to not use a hook grip. So mentally, it provides this, like, you know, safety mechanism for the for the weightlifter, you know, that they don't think I'm nearing 90%. Uh, You know, their head starts to, you know, they get in their head, right? It becomes a mental game when you're in high percentage things. But if we have a separate lift with separate conditions, they're not thinking about their percentage of their maximum snatch. They're just thinking about doing the best they can within that rule set. So that's primarily why I love variations and novelty, but yeah, I mean, the grip factor is a huge thing, you know, like it, it, I, I do, I like doing no hook snatch deadlifts and it, for a lot of these guys, like that is a very, a big hit to their ego. That's, that is where I, I get a lot of grip strength training, but the no hook, no foot thing, you know, it's that, it's that conditional aspect of it that I love so much. And then also with beginners too, it just, it like, it, it teaches beginners that like, you know, you still have to lift this bar, you know, you still have to feel this bar in your hands. You still have to use your muscles to lift this bar. You can't just, have such slacked out arms and bang it off of your hips and kind of pull and pray and catch. You have to do the work. And the, the no hook stuff for me has just always been uh, a saving grace for that. And then also, you know, limiting the foot movement, doesn't allow them to jump back. Typically, if they're jumping back a ton, they're hitting the bar with their hips too hard. So it ends up being a correctional lift in that sense as well. Yeah. I think the, um, for me,
0: outside of any grip attributes, would be that the bar path must be efficient because the feet cannot move. And so once you've transitioned through extension, uh, that bar must remain in the line and you must be actively pulling yourself with the bar to receive it because you can't move backwards or forwards or w- whichever direction you're trying to you know, uh, correct, as
1: it were. And it's a very good variation for that. And and I think actually, like, if we think about it, that's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck as far as like a technical fix, the no foot aspect. But let's say you do no foot and you're allowed to use straps or you do no foot and you're allowed to use a hook grip. Now you're creeping up on percentages that might affect future training sessions. So what I like to do is if we need to work on the skill of snatching without, you know, ruining future training sessions because of recovery, that's where i add in the no hook um you know the the no hook condition and then we can start it's like a governor on yeah. their like uh, power ability snatch. to snatch yeah absolutely mike how's your grip
4: uh terrible raz <laughs> um i have something to add with uh straps and power snatch go for it uh i had a bad wrist injury power snatching um before a big competition without straps um and i'm convinced that not using straps when you power snatch is, is a risk. And I think, um, for me, it's a safety measure to use a strap because when you uh, reach the top of your pole on a power snatch, um, your wrist is very liable to catch in not with, without your wrist turned over. And I feel with a strap in your hand, your grip is slightly expanded, and then there's more room for error and margin Um, and I feel a lot safer power snatching these days with straps rather than without.
0: But you're a shit power snatcher, Mike, aren't you?
4: Oh, fucking terrible. You know, in fairness. It's
0: it's one of the areas of potential that is available to you.
1: (laughs) Mike, I I, I love you and I love your lifting, but I'm I'm not sure I follow the logic there. Oh, don't Uh, worry, Zach. There's not a lot of logic to follow with Michael. God bless (laughs) him. (laughs) Yeah, I, I... I like, I mean, straps for me, they actually get me tighter to the bar. I mean, and, and if you think about like, I'll use straps as a tool for, uh, like just warming up your front squat, just light, super light front squats where you strap into the bar and you can, you know, this will, this can open up a lot because you're closer to the bar. It forces you to not be loose. You know, the hook grip can force you to the bar to pull away from you. Whereas the strap, it pulls it into you.
2: I do but think, if, you're,
1: if you're using them loosely, then, then it might be a different story.
2: Um, just, a, just an approach that I took coming back from a wrist injury. Um, I felt that because I hadn't been lifting for X amount of time due to the injury, um, my grip obviously wasn't up to speed. And that disconnect then, because the grip isn't there, can allow, um, or, and also the missed timing. Um, so not being in tune with the rhythm of the lift, can cause a crash on the wrists in, in the lift which is where I would say that for an athlete to you know begin lifting again with straps conditionally um, in order to feel that timing out and get used to the, the tempo of the lift and get the wrists used to having some, some weight through it in a dynamic fashion. That would be the only time that I would suggest maybe using them um, in certain circumstances yeah. Um but I also feel, you know, um I I I agree with you on that on that point of you you feel tighter to the bar on with the straps and um you know that now causes me wrist problems more than you know more than lifting without straps.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I like this this might be slightly off topic but but similar similar uh vein here you, you know Back when I I was in at Texas A&M University, which is in College Station, Texas, which is about an hour, 40 minute drive from here. And I started or I started working with the club team there uh, for the university. And so, you know, we would go to there's like there's this thing. It's like rec sports or club sports. It wouldn't be affiliated with um, the university because university sports at Texas A&M are insane. Uh, I'm sure you guys maybe are slightly aware of how college football is treated in America, mm-hmm. but it is ridiculous. We're talking a stadium with 110,000 seats, uh Empty. millions and millions of dollars in revenue. This is an undergraduate class of 55,000 students. It's a, It's just a money making industry, but that's a different thing. Anyways, what I had to do was basically go and um, recruit just any random people to come and try weightlifting. So, you know, I started with people who were basically non athletes, or maybe they had some athletic background and teach them. So I was endlessly teaching beginners and, you know, some of them had a base in strength or whatever it was. But what I realized was like, you know, they would get in their head so much with technique, that they would miss lifts that had they just like literally grabbed the bar with their hands and just gone like this, they would have made, they were now missing because they're thinking about all these different aspects. Right? So here's an example, like a 50 kilo snatch for a beginner, right? And a beginner male. Now he's a, he's a decently athletic guy, pretty strong guy. And he was just missing. You know, because he's trying to do all this stuff. he's trying to think about getting under the bar and second pull and getting his first pull correctly. And then I, I said, "Look, like just grab the bar and put it in the overhead position." And he did it, right? And then I, I, what I had to think was like, how can I bridge that gap right where Where we can have someone moving technically without having paralysis by analysis? And one thing for me was that grip strength was that proprioception literally with your hand gripping the bar because you know at at the end of the day whatever force you generate through the floor has to end here and it has to go into the bar so if you have just like this loose non like it's pulling your wrist apart like where your wrist right meets your forearm if it's pulling it apart you're real loose that proprioception is lost and it's lost on a lot of beginners so like no hook, no contact stuff. Like things that just la- simplify the lift mentally and add these conditions, they're just a massive help. And I mean, I, I use them for intermediate lifters or even advanced lifters who are going through struggles like this. But to to circle back, I mean, grip strength, I think while it's not ever really talked about, it's, it's a definitely an underrated aspect. And it's definitely something that just seems intuitive, right? It's the only thing that is contacting the bar. That is correct. And I've always been fortunate with my grip because I got fucking huge hands.
2: You are the longest thumbs on the-
0: on And the, I worked on, the on the farm. a farm as a kid, so they're always strong. <laughs> Captain, uh, are you a strapper?
3: What for? What? For your snatches? Yeah. I, well, I, yeah, I do. do you a like straps. Tra- yeah, but for volume, But you like, yes, you are a very just, volume
0: heavy female.
3: And burny hands.
0: Oh, yeah, your burny hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, you're on the chemicals all day.
3: But it does feel good when you do it without straps.
0: It does indeed. It feels um, z- so, Zach, it sounds like you've developed some youth, which is, interestingly, the second segment of this podcast is youth development. Now, over there is Michael Farmer and Jordan Sikars, both of whom I've coached for, a m- well, you a decade, Jordan's birthday this weekend. Happy birthday, Jordan. You're 22, is it? 22. Had the key to the door last year. He's fucking 22 this year. Uh, Mike, when did you get here? 15, uh, 16, 15? 2016. 2016. So what is that? That's five That's years. Um, Zach, you've uh, evidently coached a few youths. Yep. How's yes, that I gone for you?
1: What's that? How's that gone for you? Uh, it's good. Right, right now, actually, I only work with one guy that I started with as a youth because I, I moved from College Station to Austin, and um, the one guy that I work with now is 19. I started working with, with him when he was 17. Is that your 130 snatcher, is it? Yeah, yes. Right. What's his body um, weight? Sorry, what's that? What's
0: his body weight? Uh, he is 96. Righto. So yeah. what is he, 19.
1: 19, yes. This is his last year as a junior. What's, his, what's so. his
0: name? So we know. Grant Reed. Grant Reed. Yes. Righto.
1: Fair enough. And is he um, a, a USA team member or? Uh... No, no. It's, you know, you have to, it's an interesting process. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's the same way in, or similar way uh, where you guys are. And uh, for for us, like, you know, the, the goal would be like junior Pan Ams um something like that but first it's performing at his fine year, final junior uh nationals uh and and he definitely I think he just definitely has to win in that category the problem is uh you know Morgan McCulloch is in is a 96 as well so we probably have to bump up to 102 um that's mad mad lifts. play the game mad lifts yeah yes yes um And, you know, we're just, we're miles away from a gold medal there, but, you know, to be honest with you, like, that's not where my head at at is with him 98% of the time. Yeah. I just want him to be a good weightlifter and not just a good athlete, but like a class weightlifter, you know, someone who is a lot more thoughtful early on who's not gonna do the dumb shit that I did when I was starting uh, in athletics and then starting in this sport. And when he, you know, the, the last two meets, like, well, he did, did his first six for six uh, PRs and everything. And then the meet following that, he did five for six PRs and everything. And for us, we just wanna keep marching. You know, I really, if we keep, if, if he keeps going like this up and up and up, I don't give a shit about Pan Am's, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's they a just process. Don't. Absolutely. Mike, what advice have you got for younger
4: lifters out there? Um, I'd, I'd say just stay the course. Um, it's a horrendous sport, weightlifting, and most of the time you don't get any PBs, PRs. Uh, when you're young, it, they come thick and fast, and after a year or two in the sport, it, there's nothing. And then there's this wall, a mental block. Um, uh, you have to search for. Your 1% to actually add up then, where you're looking at your nutrition, your recovery. Um, as an early athlete, I was just I was eating some chips at lunchtime.
0: You didn't fucking eat, did you?
4: No, I didn't eat at all. Do you remember when we
0: went to Malaysia? Fucking World Championships. I'm f- putting fucking three plates of food in front of it. You just
2: couldn't eat. It was like having a gerbil on the table. <laughs> I think a gerbil would eat more. I think it would have. <laughs> oh, it, was, it was embarrassing, if I say so myself.
4: Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's embarrassing, um, but I, was, I wasn't hungry.
2: You've got to have an appetite as a weightlifter, haven't you?
0: Mm-hmm. Fucking hell. Yeah. It, you weren't, were you? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, um, I think it was uh, maybe a year or so later, your appetite just fucking swelled, kicked in, couldn't stop fucking
4: eating. On came the weight. Yeah. Up went the fucking lifts. I think that was the turn of me becoming 18 and some sort of adult.
0: I think I saw a facial hair as well.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was baby.
0: drawn Could have grown a pube. Jordy, uh, what advice have you got for the youths out there? You've been a fucking in the sport since you were twelve. I've been a youth. You've been a an oxygen sucking youth, as it were.
2: Yes. Um I would say don't cut body weight. Fucking go where your body takes you. Um I would say trust your coach. Great advice. Um Thanks Zach. Trust your coach and you know fuck everyone else. You know, you're gonna have a lot of people in your year telling you different things. Literally. No, no, no I'm talking to- I'm I'm talking about uh <laughs> keep you in your pants. The other people <laughs> yeah. the other people who may <laughs> offer their opinion. Ah, right, okay. Um, that kind of fucking. Yeah, just have complete faith in your coach and the process that you and your coach are going on. Um I would say like Mike said, the PB's come a lot more frequent when you're younger, so fucking enjoy them, acknowledge them, be, feel grateful for them. Um but don't use them as excuses to go off the rails. Um for months at a time because that's the one thing i look back on in uh, reflection is i'll have a great competition but instead of carrying that momentum forward i've used it as an opportunity to well not carry that momentum forward and and you know go in there I enjoy a drink, you know, go and have, have a few months on the... A lager and I enjoy a lager dash uh, with the boys and I would use that as an opportunity to, you know, let my hair down and I'd justify it with the success of my recent competition when, in hindsight, I should have allowed myself that one evening, used that momentum and carried it forward. But, my, you know, th- that's something personally, I don't think everyone's got that in them, but I would say my number one bit of advice here yeah,
1: would be, do not cut weight for anyone if jordan you know know, it's interesting hearing this you're 22 man if like my my thought process with athletes at your age is like i'm looking at how you're going to do when you're 27 or 28 like because to me 22 is young and 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 i i know this because there are guys uh I, i work with team juggernaut we have guys who are in their 30s who are pring and they've been around the sport their entire lives um and i think you know while you've been around the sport a long time even though those mistakes may seem and maybe you're not this isn't where you were going but they may seem like oh man in hindsight i could have done better you still have so many opportunities yeah in my opinion um, 22 my god you know like I think it's great that you had those experiences, those negative experiences. Yeah, in hindsight, but now that you've had those, man, now you can go forward and 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 when you have success, you can take the momentum. Now, you know, I mean, you're still so young. Learning a lesson like that at that at your age is is a blessing. I think.
2: Spot on, and and I'm I'm glad I've gone through those experiences because, like you said, you know, now looking at the longer picture, the, the bigger picture, longer longer picture, um, you know. Now, after doing big competitions, I'm excited to carry that momentum forward and learn from not the mistakes but the decisions that I have made in the past. Um, and I'm also aware, and we've had this discussion, um, as a bigger lifter, you know, you do take longer to blossom um, into your prime, um, than the the little boys, you know, (laughs) like I think he's referring to you, Mike. Well, no, but you, if you think about it, you know, we want to be snatching 70 plus, clean and jerking 210 plus. Um, it's still a linear progression, and that's a long way to go to get to those numbers. And, is indeed. Um, whereas when you're a lighter lifter, irrespective of your body weight, you know, the numbers that you're looking to achieve uh, further down on that on that path. Um,
0: they, they do come, they seem to come faster for the, for the little ones. If they've been in the sport a while, I'm not saying about the the adult people, but this is youth development, and I think if you've been in the sport, um, you know, from a young age, then uh, if you're a lighter body weight, it stands the reason that, like any animal in nature, the little ones get faster quicker, don't they? They they develop faster, mm-hmm. whereas the fucking rhino here takes a little bit more time to yeah. uh, mature because it's got a lot of fucking growing and uh, filling out to do.
2: Yeah, well, when we first went up to so. You know, going back to that point of body weight, um
1: I would love to talk about body weight. Yeah. So, so keep How yeah, much do you ahead, weigh, uh, Zach? How much are you weighing? Oh, I'm light now. I'm light. I'm like one oh two. Hundred and two, is it? Yeah. And you're long, aren't you? You're
0: fucking gangly.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm I'm six foot four, so one ninety-three. <sighs> it's a long way to fucking pull a metrics. bar. Fucking hell.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm I'm it- about six foot myself, Zach, so um No you're not.
0: <laughs> you know we're fucking Yeah. <laughs>
2: What are day. you, George? I'm f- <laughs> five fucking eight, five nine and three quarters. <laughs> Recently measured and right. declining. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I so you know, when I so basically when I turned 17, um, we did our last compass in '94. Um, and I to say it was a struggle to get to '94 isn't true. I flapped like fuck, didn't I, to get to '94, but it really just took a few days of not eating fucking loads of food. Um, but from that point, it was like... Oh, yeah. right.
0: didn't you weigh... Well, that was in Malaysia, wasn't it? That though? was in but Malaysia. Was, what were you, 98
2: I was landing? Nin- 98 landing, so I had four kilos to get rid of. So
0: we flew, um, you know, over the fucking whatever ocean it was. The pond. Over the pond. Uh, got to Malaysia, and fat fuck he is, 98 kilos, and he's panicking like fuck, and you hadn't snatched. Your wrist was fucking hurting. Oh, All yeah. sorts
2: was happening, wasn't it? Stressful. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think I panicked my way down to 94. Um, but you know, one gold, broke Commonwealth record. Two nine one,
0: fucking beautiful. That'll be there forever. Last ninety four, um, category lift in the uh, the sport, wasn't it? Yes. That last competition, there wasn't no other that
5: that they went up there. They, went, they, they went, went to a different category didn't then. Didn't categories, yeah.
2: Um, but my point being, we when we got home from Malaysia, it was like, right, you know, I'm ninety seven, ninety eight kilos. Let's get it on. Let's get up to one hundred five. So. I spoke to my mother, who's a great cook. Um, she is. And I said, Mum, I need to get up to some serious weight here. Um, so, together with my mother and my uncle, we devised a sort of 6,000 calorie diet, and I would take okay a. Now. Faggots. I take I take a packed lunch. It was more of a fucking cooler box than a packed lunch, really. <laughs> um, I take that to school every day, and um, you know it would be faggots, rice. Hang
0: sweet on, wait, potato. wait, wait, Zach. Don't, do you know what a faggot is, Zach? Uh,
1: well, I know certain definitions of it. Right. Well, I can tell you
0: what in Wales a faggot is: um, pork and lamb offal. So it's all the liver, and it's the brain and the intestines. And the kidneys all um, mashed up into a delicious ball. So it's very nutritious, very iron-rich. I tell you what, fucking Shankle's favorite food when he's here, isn't it? Fucking, We cook um, down in uh, Louisiana where Donnie's from. They cook dirty rice, which is basically chicken livers and giblets in in rice. And it colors the rice so the rice isn't white. Um, So he says to me uh, when he's here, so he goes... What are we having for dinner? I said, we're going to have some faggots. So he goes, What the fuck are they? <laughs> so we got these uh, faggots, put them with some rice, and he fucking couldn't stop eating them. Have you and ever made them? I've, I have made a faggot, yeah. 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 I used to be a chef. Um, I've made flex. a faggot or two. Yeah. Leacons. Flexing. Yeah. Flex, flex, They're flex. They're fucking delicious. Yeah. Absolutely delicious. And cheap as fuck. They're like 25p each, aren't they?
2: And so um, nutrient dense.
0: Very. Because. One thing about feeding this fucker is that it used to cost your mother a fucking ton.
2: About 200 pounds a week.
0: That's like $320, yeah. Zach. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, and it, and obviously, we wanted to we wanted to eat good, nutritious foods as well. So High quality food. You think 6,000 calories a day of clean, healthy food a lot. is a lot it's of a, eating. It's a lot, it's it's a lot of eating, food. yeah. Um, but And um, needless to say, I got up to about 108, <laughs> kilos. And um, on. despite my efforts to keep everything clean, half of it was contractible, yeah. if that. But, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the point being... The lager and limes. Uh, yeah, probably the limes, <laughs> not the lagers. Um, but, yeah, my point being, we, you know, if you are on that board line and you see yourself as a young athlete um, contemplating cutting oh. um, in weight class just fucking bite the bullet go up you're going to be up anyway what what is cutting going to do for your long term development you're looking to get stronger it's not no one gives a fuck about your junior and your youth career if you're trying to be a a, a top quality weightlifter no no one cares about what you've achieved as a junior or a youth so just spend the time eating good food getting to where your body get sits naturally strong. and get fucking shit get strong. Fucking strong
1: so i i like to like, I love that we're talking about body weight in in relation to just like future, just like knowing because, uh, you know, as natural weightlifters, you, we have to, something has to change over time. Um, if you're a beginner, right. You can almost maintain like a very similar composition and your numbers will still go up. Right. Because you're, you're gaining proprioception. You're like, the quality of muscle that you do have, like the muscle that you do have becomes Mm -hmm. more quality, right? You become more coordinated Mm -hmm. and you hit PRs, hit PRs, hit PRs. Then once you pass that threshold, something has to change, right? Like in your body physiologically, like you need to grow, right? And and if you stop growing, what will change? You're just gonna keep refining technique and you're gonna keep trying to get strong at the same body weight. It, It becomes very difficult to do both of those things if you're not progressing in some way, if you're elite, right, if you're elite, the goal for you is to just have some sort of a camp or something where you can get in the best shape possible at the exact body weight that you need to be, considering that you are not going to go up in body weight in the years to come, you're just going to just march through like a process, a process. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're thinking about it in terms of like, what I was, what I was just talking about, right? So, like, you have to grow. What? Look at yourself objectively as far as your your height and your current body weight and where your future body weight needs to be, and then you think about the numbers that you need to gain. So, say that uh, for for Grant, one of my lifters, I'll use a, him as an example. I think he's going to be a good 109 lifter as a senior. Okay. What we could do right now at at 19 years old is take him from floating around at 98 and I could tell him, let's just get strong, let's eat, let's grow as fast as we can, Get just let's take everything up. The problem is our window then is just, it's getting smaller and smaller as time trickles very slowly. So for me, it's about timing, right? What I actually recently had him do, he was a little bit overweight. He was competing at 102 and he was noticeably overweight, right, because he came from football and and American football, the coaches, at least in in the high school level in Texas. So high school, Texas, American football is incredibly intense, incredibly. And uh, the coaches want all their linemen just to be fat, just fat. You need wow. a certain body weight. They don't, you know, obviously they want them to be strong, but if you're not, you know, over 230 pounds, it well, doesn't like matter kilos. what size you are, you know, with 105 kilos, right. you're not going to play for me. Like you need to be anywhere from, you know, 105 to 140. These are kids. Um, and so he came from football, was overweight. So what I said was, let's watch what you eat. Just make it clean. Just make what you eat clean and we're gonna work very hard in here and I want body weight to come down. But For him, body weight went down, total kept going up. Once we hit a point where it was like, the total's kind of like falling off a little bit, I said, okay, let's add in a bit of calories. That boosted his total back up. Now we're back to to where he was before, much stronger than he was when he was that body weight before. Cause he's not fat. Yeah, cause he's not fat. We made that adjustment going down, right? And I think both take foresight. If you're cutting, like Jordan said, if you're youth and you're cutting weight, you're not adding any foresight at all. You're, you're basically locking yourself in to a weight class. You're not allowing yourself to to grow. Right. And growth as a youth is that's all there is to it. That's the most important thing. So for me, that's, I, I really just try to block that out and figure that out with people. If you gain weight too fast, you're fucked. If you don't gain weight at all, you're fucked. You know, it's, it's a double-edged sword and you have to balance right on the tip of it.
2: And um, just adding to that point, Zach, you talk about, um, so the first step you did was changing what he was eating. The quality yeah, of his the food. The quality of his food. So um, this is something um, that we noticed when we were doing the international competitions and things. And you look at the, the countries that are known for systematic Dope, doping. Doping, con- yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm well aware. They were eating fucking shit. They, the food they were eating was abysmal. Um, they would eat anything, and why? It's because you know, they, they, they don't need the food. They've got. Are the we other...
0: going down this fucking road?
2: No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm not... I, Why not? I, I, I mean, I'm not taking, I, I'm not taking it down that purposefully. Anyway, I'm, I'm just saying.
0: You've just steered as... the ship down that road, Jody.
2: Don't mention the ship now. Where? Nice I'm just saying. that... It, it, I, as, I, I as understand a natural, the as a to there,
1: to talk about drugs. I understand that. <sighs> Here we go uh, 100% done it. Um, done it and and I, I'm sorry to interrupt Jordan but but I sorry, I You're exactly a polite young man you can interrupt. Yeah, go go I mean like, for me you're right on the right track, right? Like, you need to have absolute control of all of your variables. The, the reason why drug use another one that's hidden that people don't understand why it's so important like f- to help development is that it, it's one more variable, right? It, it's one more variable that doesn't take as much control. Controlling what you eat and sleep, or in the, in the amount of, of sleep that you have and the amount of stress in your life, those are three incredibly difficult variables. Agreed. Incredibly, right? Controlling the amount of dope you take is as easy as we're gonna go like this. It's linear, we, we would take more of whatever. It's like pouring gin, fucking straightforward. Yeah. It, 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 and so that's, those, a lot of these countries, that's what it is founded on. This is an absolute, what is, what is the one way we can make, make sure we get the results we want? This variable is as easy as anything to control. It might be the easiest variable with the best outcome. And so that, why not use it? That's, that's their mindset.
2: Sorry to interrupt. That's no, no, why go ahead. Sh- shifting on its head and not looking at what they're doing, but looking at, right, we're a clean athlete you know, we're trying to compete on a, an unlevel playing field. We have to spend even more time focusing on those difficult variables than they could even dream of. Yeah, you've, you've got to be eating far better than they eat. You've got to be sleeping far better than they train. You, you can't have stress in your life, you know. And these are the things that I'm just looking at. You I didn't
0: ever think they looked happy, did you?
2: No, and I think that's another thing, you know. You know. I, for, for what it's worth you know the the enjoyment factor is some as an edge that we can have over them because they they're in this sort of institution a lot of them that you know they've been taken away from their families put into an environment where they have to perform
0: P- potentially
2: Potent- I'm just I'm throwing an example and I'm sure this is the case in some areas and it's like well wh- what can we do to give ourselves an edge over them um and you're right the the difference being is the difficulty in controlling those variables as a clean athlete is is so much greater than, than the variables they need to control. Um, so the point I'm making is, um, eat clean, eat clean, sleep, eat clean, sleep well, and take a sauna and smile, (laughs) smile a bit, be happy,
1: get in the fucking (laughs) sauna. Absolutely. The way that the, the way that I like to, to talk about drug use is I try as hard as I can to be as nuanced as possible. And um, you can have your stance and everyone can, and, and I, I'm not certainly not a sympathizer, I'll tell you that much, but things are the way they are. And, and I'm sure this is something that you preach, you can only control what you control, right? As, as a coach, you, what you have to tell your lifter is, can you be better? And if the lifter says yes, then you say, then shut up about the drug use because you can't do anything about it, right? But if we're talking about things freely and just wanting to observe things are the way they are. And I interact a lot with people online. And I know that that's kind of a shitty thing because a lot of people just say, screw screw all of them, but it's somewhat my job. I I make content on YouTube. And what I feel like I, I want to educate people on the reality of drug use and something that, a, a stark reality is the transition from when they are selected as master of sport to then a senior lifter, the absolute stark difference in body composition, in total, in every every single way that they lift. And that's something that people don't usually talk about. And I'm sure it's happened to Jordan, right? Because he was a ju- junior competitor himself. Uh, And it happens to many, many Americans. These are lifters who at youth competitions, at junior competitions, they are hanging around these other lifters and they're lifting right alongside of them. And then somehow when they reach a senior level, they skyrocket to the moon. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, did they just reach their potential or, you know, hit some sort of genetic breakthrough? No, I mean, it's, it's obvious, right? And and I think that that's an incredibly underrated aspect of it. That's not often talked about is the, the stark difference from these lifters who neck and neck, and then boom, they're gone.
2: I'll um I'll use Lasher as an example because I have done online and uh, I had a bit of flack for it. Um, Did you? Yeah, a few people fucking dropped me a message. I couldn't give a fuck, but um. But it's, it's the whole thing of, so I, I put um, a photo of Lasher up, and I said he's the greatest cheat of all time. Okay. Now, the people messaging me saying, if we're to assume that uh, that Lasher is on drugs, then we, we are to assume that everyone who competed in the World Championships is also on drugs. Because he has obviously been tested, and he, he's perceived as clean in, in his tests in this latest competition, blah, blah, blah. And the point I had to make about that, and it links to what you've just said, is Lasher got banned as a junior and he clean and jerked 221 kilos. He is now snatching 222 kilos. And people don't, don't acknowledge that. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Uh,
1: that, yeah, that's... I mean, he's obviously on drugs. And, and that, that point that you just made, even that he got popped... People don't know. People exactly. don't know that that he got popped. Um, but w- what I would say is, the the determining factor is out of competition testing. Then that's it, and that's really it, right? Because like if we look at a sport like UFC uh, or MMA, so but UFC being the predominant one, m- many of the the people. Uh, who are in the UFC live in America and train in America, even if they're from other countries. Uh, and that's so that they can be more local to events that the UFC is holding and so on and so forth. And they can, USADA has access to them without of uh, competition testing. That means that their drug use has to be substantially less if they're at all, if they want to risk that at all. Now, if you have someone who lives in Georgia, where the, federation the georgian weightlifting federation now has to deploy a tester bring back those results to the georgian federation so that the georgian federation can then go ban lasha Mm -hmm. that's impossible that will never ever happen in a million years ever it will never happen in kazakhstan it will never happen in any of these countries bulgaria or anything like that so what we have to do is we have to make sure they compete regularly throughout the year which we're currently doing but even then, you're still able to get drugs out of your system before that, right? If we, there, there can never be a fair playing field on that end of the spectrum. So it's not just LASHA who's cheating the system. It's just the inavailability of other countries. Like we just can't reach LASHA. We can't reach him. you know? Maybe they would be smart enough to pass tests if they were even getting tested. Right? I mean, it, it's... Maybe. Who knows? But I think,
0: as you rightly pointed out, these are things beyond our control, and it's for the right. sport to clear up, and um, the, the way in which we approach training as uh, lifters who are clean, if you want to use the uh, generic term, uh, is to ensure that all conditions of your life are in place, and you sleep, and you eat, and you do other things that uh, you are in your control and you'd be the best you can be. And the sport must take care of the big picture. I and think that's, yes, yes. Depending. That is
1: why, that's where I'm going with this as well. Like, the, the only f- reason I talk job. about it is because I believe that the sport in general could be better. Like, it could be way better. Um, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to point fingers as much as I want to say the IWF, uh, no. <laughs> WADA, all these different things in place could yeah. be better.
0: And, you know, we are speaking, I suppose, about a a generation of uh, officials who have come from that era, of which the prevalence of such things was high. And I suppose it will take a little while for that to turn its wheel and for younger people to come through uh, if the sport is still Olympic. But the sport will still be here through, you know, um, world Europeans, Pan Ams, Commonwealths and stuff. Um, it'll still be here, and it requires then younger people with a different mindset and ethos uh, and a different set of uh, morals, if you like, um, to, the sport has to take a hit, and it has to take a hit on numbers in terms of what's lifted, Uh, You have to do that because uh, there's no way you can clean up the thing and have the same excitement of the numbers. And I'm not saying that lifting less is not exciting, but, you know, the the thrill of seeing 222, 223 snatches and and all the rest of it is fantastic, absolutely. But, you know, how did it get there? Who the fuck knows? And when the sport then suddenly becomes uh, supers snatching, you know, 195 or 202 or whatever it is, it's a different sport. But... You know they're competing, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and, and I like it either I, way. I absolutely. I don't give yeah. a fuck. That's no no bother to me. Um, but it's the sports job. That's why you have a governing yes. but That's why there is there. And I think that um, you know yes, it is I, a, 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 it is a real challenge for uh, you know lifters who are in the sport to know that. Um, I, I said to you in Malaysia, I said just the fucking smell. These fuckers here—they're all fucking doping. Mm. Just fucking smell it on them, you know. And it's like that's where it was. Every one of them knows they can't look you in the fucking eye, and I think that's where they got their fucking heads down. And they can't jerk. And they can't. Yeah, you can't <laughs> drug a jerk. So you know, it's like, well, okay, it is what it is. But we have to still continue building um, young lifters, developing coaches, developing clean athletes, learning how to develop athletes through a cleaner system, and get those athletes to be the best they can be so when the wheel turns when you have the uh resetting of whatever infrastructures in the sport need to happen to you know um at least um make it as regular as possible so that there is some thoroughness in and consistency because how many times you got fucking tested internationally (laughs) every fucking time and i would be like wow they, they, they don't test the fucking this one, but they're going to test this one. And of course, when you're testing, you want to know that you're going to get the test you want. Right. They're going right. to test him because they know it'll be negative. Yes. Right. They don't so want th- a positive th- test, so they won't test people deliberately. As a res- So they'll fucking test the ones that they know won't test positive. And then they can say, you see, we've done fucking X, Y, Z tests. And here we have all these results. Pause a second because we've been talking for a long while, Zach, and we've had a technical issue here, and Nick's all fucking uh, flustered. So <laughs> um, right now, we're going to take a short break, viewer, and Mr. Donnie Shankle is going to read Stoicism. <coughs>
5: Reflect on what every project entails in both its initial and subsequent stages before taking it up. Otherwise, you will likely tackle it enthusiastically at first, since you haven't given thought to what comes next. But when things get difficult, you'll wind up quitting the project in disgrace. You want to win at the Olympics? So do I. Who doesn't? It's a glorious achievement but reflect on what's entailed both now and later on before committing to it. You have to submit to discipline, maintain a strict diet, abstain from rich foods, exercise under compulsion at set times and weather hot and cold, refrain from drinking water or wine whenever you want. In short, you have to hand yourself over to your trainer as if he were your doctor. And then there are the digging contests to endure. And times when you will dislocate your wrist, turn your ankle, swallow quantities of sand, be whipped, and end up losing all the same. Consider all this, and if you still want to, then give athletics a go. Epictetus. Discourses and Selected Writings.
0: And we're back. Right, well, we left us with fucking Telecasteria having a final point on doping. Go on, Zach.
1: I I just want to say, you know, Jordan, when you say Lasha, greatest cheat of all time, might be a bit egregious to say, you know, Uh, but I think you were just, you know, you're just saying your piece and fuck it if anyone else says anything, so I respect that. But I would say that where... You know, there might be actions, singular actions that a that a, that a singular athlete can take that are are dubious. Um, they are merely a symptom of what we were talking about, you know, previously. That the system, whether it be the governing body or even closer to them, the coaches, all of these different things. The system is the sickness, and the athlete is simply a symptom of that sickness. I agree. So I would love to address, you know, like we have Ion, the biggest piece of shit, right? To have ever, I mean, he is the actual cancer of this sport. He is the representation of everything that this sport is not. He's very small. And then everyone that fell around that, that allowed that to happen, needs to be gone. Any sort of corruption needs to be gone. If people proceed to cheat beyond that, again, now we're talking about things that are completely out of our control. But I believe that we do need to to speak up and bitch about systems and, and problems amongst bigger systems. I agree. If I- an athlete is caught up in that, then... You know, maybe you can point to it, but you will receive flack from it as you have, Jordan. But- yeah. And I,
2: I am far more bitter about the system itself than the athletes that are a result of the system. Um, but the, I suppose, and I'm being quite outspoken and quite inflammatory in how I um, express that purely to shine light on, like you said, you know, Lash has been banned and no one talks about it and hardly anyone knows about that. I um, well, and- do now. Yeah, and I suppose the the way I I go about the way I go about things purely to shine light on the the previous doping bans that people have had, you know, like uh, Toma Loredana, she got banned um, for Stenazenol, um in twenty fourteen, and people shine a huge light on her as being one of the greats now. I think that needs to be talked about, and that needs to be part of the conversation, and I think that's my way of doing things. Is
1: right.
0: Here's, here's a thing. We went to, well, I went to India with uh, Weightlifting Wales, and a few of the young Indian girls got popped after the Championships, the Commonwealth Championships. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to India, Zach, but these young people um, live in squalor, And if you're a 14-year-old Indian girl, you're going to do exactly as you're fucking told. You can't nip down the chemist, get your fucking drugs, start administering them personally. It's impossible. So these systems from nations that, uh, I suppose, systematically make it compulsory for you to follow whatever the fuck you're doing. Like, the alternative for this young Indian girl is to live in squalor. Well, she don't give a fuck about taking drugs. Do you get me the alternative is to go back to the fucking street or you fucking do as you're told and that's what we're dealing with but it is the systematic it is the country governing bodies it is their system Um, and that again is something that yes it has to be done from the top down isn't it and but there needs to be a a a net positive for them oh for, for the athlete it is absolutely no 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 no
1: no a net positive for the countries. they can't be they're not being punished harshly enough right so so for so for for instance Bulgaria we we have the 16 year old who did 206 yeah right (laughs) yeah I mean obviously right it's pretty fucking obvious what's going on and that 16 year old like you said I don't even think Justin there's an option in a 16 year old's mind right it's like hey you do what the coach says, coach yes. just gives you this. It's not even, the coach doesn't go, take this or you're out of here. They just go, here, take this. The kid goes, okay.
5: You know, Absolutely. No, no, no.
1: Sure, I'm taking it. The- and, and so th- that, that's really where this, is, this lies, where we're really nailing it now, is Bulgaria, like, let's punish them to the point of like 10 years, you guys are out. Not just out of the Olympics, but you're out of World Championships, Continentals, uh, Grand Prix, you're out. 10 years, 10 fucking years, uh, or next athlete that's banned at a big event. And we're talking worlds or any of the continentals. If you get popped, you're fucking out of here, dude. And that's really what has to be done for it to be not a net positive. And on you that I mean? note, we'll leave the doping. There we go, good. Right, great, um,
0: Jordy, you've got a section, play the music, Nick.
5: Oh, right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Fucking James Brown. Yes. That's where we're going. Hey! Zach's doing airbase. Look at that. To, got to pay back. Big payback. Right. Ruben. So, my nephew said to me, um, probably on the first episode, <laughs> that he's got an idea. It's taken me a couple to get used to his ideas, uh, seeing as his last idea was karaoke, Class idea. which we did cover. Geordie, um, go for it. What is it?
2: My segment is on. Wearing international kits oh. when you're not representing your country, all right. Here we fucking go, and <laughs> it's quite an apt topic oh. because I <laughs> fucking uh, numb to my left loves repping the no, GB no. kit. Right. And oh. here we go, Needle.
3: can you Zach, make it simple for me?
2: Zach's wearing a US top, look at that, great. So, and there is a difference, right, between a fan, right? So, in a rugby context. Um, a, a fan of, of Welsh rugby will wear a Welsh top. You know, supporting Wales, they'll go and wear a Welsh top. There's a difference, right? So, what's your point? My point is, here it comes. As an athlete, yeah, right, you go to a competition and you should be wearing the colours of whom you represent on that given competition, club or country. Okay, so let's say you go to the Welsh Open, and it's a club comp. You're representing your club. Don't fucking turn up wearing a GB singlet <laughs> or a Welsh singlet, because it really fucking annoys me. It annoys
0: Geordie, everyone. It
2: really annoys me, and I'll talk about why. Right? Why? Tell us. So preach. Um, I've come from a rugby background, and in rugby, you you know you represent your country or you represent your region even, and you only wear that kit during those representative times. And I think what it does then is. When you do put on that kit and you are representing your country, it creates a bit of, um, it, it carries a lot more weight than if you wear the fuck out of it because you, I think you wear out the weight of it when you when you wear your kit all the time. Uh, Michael, um, you have had a history of doing that.
4: Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I come from a sporting background of um, the square root of fuck all. Yeah, um, I did XFit um back in the day. That's CrossFit. Zach, um, and Explo- <laughs> I, I started weightlifting, <laughs> and I'm very quickly, by pretty mur- mur- miraculous, really. Um, I started lifting for GB within a, a few months, which I, I thought was a great achievement. Was a great achievement, absolutely. No one's denying that, Mike. So I go to a competition, get my GB kit, thinking, wow, everyone in school thinks I'm the bee's knees. Was it your only singlet? <laughs> your second singlet, wasn't it? Second, yeah, my second ever singlet. The other one I've never wore before. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I come back to training day in day out. I thought, you know what? I'm gonna wear my GB top for training. Yeah. I'm gonna think everyone in the gym's gonna think I'm cool. Yeah. And Sixteen. Sixteen. Just lifting for this country for the first time. I yeah. thought, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna wear the GB kit in in training. Well, that was it. was a mistake. Wow. It's, it's well, a sh- uh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Do you think it's a mistake retrospectively
0: because of fucking square idea? or are you saying genuinely that that's your opinion, not influenced by
4: him, your own opinion? I feel like now I, I do agree with George. Um I see people lifting in competitions, like a local competition where a GB sing lounge or, or a virtual open and you think, oh, sh- shut up, come on now. Right.
0: Um, so, Zach, you, uh, you're you in the juggernaut house of weightlifting? Yeah. Well. Hang on, I haven't finished my question yet. Go ahead, go 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 ahead, go ahead. ahead, Put the pauses in. Does juggernaut weightlifting have a singlet with fucking juggernaut on it? Yes, it does. Right. And would it be appropriate for your lifters to wear the colors of the juggernaut? Of course. Right. So if they put on their American singlet when they were representing juggernaut at a national event,
1: what would happen? It, it's, what would Max I don't say? Th- I don't. I don't think we would. I don't think we would freak out that much. Um, that's really the problem. <laughs> <laughs> huh? What? Oh, sorry. What the, was that, Jordan?
2: That's the problem. It. it I, it's not frowned upon in the sport. Of now,
0: let me tell you this, Zach, Right. So in this club, we have the willpower singlet, and when you represent the club, you put the club colours on. Why? Because the culture of the club is vital to the success of the whole thing. And so putting the colors on of your weightlifting club should mean something to you for the place you train. And I think that when you're looking at building strong weightlifting clubs, houses, whatever you want to call them, there must be a real uh, meaning and significance to where the singlet that you represent just like it would for USA, GB, yeah. Wales, same applies, and it's the same for
1: your club. Yeah, I I, I can't disagree at all. I agree a hundred percent. The only reason I was saying, you know, maybe maybe we wouldn't, like, and and this is another comp, this is a compliment to willpower. The I I found out about you guys because old uh, Nicholas over there, who's he, behind the scenes, he is old. He's thirty. He looks about 21, but he's fucking really 30. He, he you know, he, he DM'd me, he said, I really like your videos on YouTube. And uh, I started, I, I followed him. And then he kept showing videos of, you know, the culture, the willpower culture, the red and the black. man, And then like, I, I immediately was drawn to it. And for me, it didn't matter what anyone was lifting. I just love the fucking culture in that room. And this is essentially why I messaged you in the first place. It's like, I want to be in that room. I want to train in that room. I want to be on this podcast because I love shit like that. Like, so I agree with you 100%. I would say that, you know, Juggernaut is much more uh, spread out, you know, we don't have uh, an HQ, if you will, anymore. It's all remote lifters who are searching for r- Roby points while they were working nine to fives in different places across uh, the United States. I mean, we had lifters in the middle of America, we had many lifters in California. Uh, you know, I'm down in Texas. There were some, you know, th- we're talking thousands of miles of difference here. So that culture was never really there. But what I can say, when we met up together as a team at Nationals, we would you know, go to the training hall all together. We'd go eat together. We would all uh, get the same Airbnb. That pride within our and what, team was there. Right. So what difference did that make to um,
0: bringing the team together? Like, in... Oh, it, it's it, huge, was, it, it? it
1: was everything.
0: Right. So Everything. When... Remote athletes uh, join willpower. Um, You know, remote athletes, if you're listening, out goes a singlet. So we're going to send our remote athletes the singlet of the willpower. Dan Wiley's had one. Um, Nick in Boston's going to get one. Uh, Nazi's going to get one in fucking Jordan. You know, they're going to have our colors. Why? Because of the very reason that you've said is that they can see this thing, they believe in this thing, and they want to wear these colors. And I think that at the national level, when you're looking at building your club, um, weightlifting has historically perhaps done a poor job of having the rugby culture or the football culture, if you like, in your, your country, like to have teams that are so homogenized. So together, that is a critical part of the development of the whole thing because I agree people want to compete against each, each club and that, I, that is a, a, a critical point of, of our success, if you want to call it success. But, you know, the, the thing that we're known for, which is, you know, the, the atmosphere and the, the way people feel about each other, etc. cetera, um, that aspect of it um, comes down to the red and black, to the singlet. You know, it, it, it really, you know, when we go out 30 strong or whatever it is to a competition, they all wear the colors.
3: Do those people not have that, though? Which people? Who wear the singlet?
2: I don't think I don't think they're part of a culture like no. like this like, place. No, I I think
0: weightlifting doesn't. It's a single sport, so it's been solitary athletes, you know, with a, with one coach, athlete and a coach, and a few other people compete for the same place. But it's never been brought together as this. Like Cal Strength did it, did they not? Like that's the how yep. we all yeah. got started. You know that. Cal I mean, look Strength. at how
1: Nathan Damron's lifting. Oh fucking hell! What he just hit, One sixty-seven. He, yeah. he did 167, 207, yeah, both competition amazing. PRs, beautiful all-time lifting. competition yeah. PRs. Beautiful. And he's been in the sport forever. Yeah, beautiful. And he's lifting. been lifting big numbers forever. So to really break him in and, and break through for him, guy it's an incredible feat, and I'm unbelievably impressed.
5: Yeah,
0: absolutely. I saw that snatch. I haven't seen his clean jerk, but it was fucking amazing. Uh, what oh, a clean
1: jerk was fantastic, what and a, he's not known to be a good jerker, and... It was fantastic. I
0: always thought that he was a good jerker, but he wasn't demonstrating it. So, you know that little vibration that he's got on the bar? You know, wh- when he comes out of the clean and there's the bar never stops moving and he times it or mistimes it. And I think right. in the height of competition, you can just uh, get a bit excited. And, and if the bar doesn't feel the same or it's not not quite where you train it, um, it f- always felt to me that his, his jerks just were more about... Um, not about his ability, but more about his uh, temperament
1: during the competition, you know, because that that bar just doesn't stop, you know? I would say just his refinery of training. You know, you get into an atmosphere like Cal Strength where you have guys lifting what you lift. They lift the same weight you do. Uh, And not only that, if the coach sees you do something wrong, he'll address it. You know, Dave will be like, that's wrong. Or you know, if you grind something, or if you miss a jerk, he's not going to allow you to just like do it again, and again, and again, for no particular reason. Yeah, there has to be some sort of accomplishment of that day. And so for me, that's it just makes sense that he's just refining everything. Uh, as he's getting older, which is exactly what you need to do. Absolutely refinery of not just your technique, but the precision in which you perform heavier lifts, Absolutely, and I think that
0: uh, when you have potential and efficiency moves away from potential, that's exactly what you're describing. You must bring the two together in order for the potential to be realized. Otherwise, you cannot realize it when you need it. And uh, one of the, um, the I suppose, the, the standard foundations here is that uh, when the, the demarcation of quality dropping, so the, the lift that they try and get next... When if they've missed something, they can go again, but I need to see the quality. Is that they can't just lift it at all costs?
1: Yeah, you, they have to accomplish something Correct. with that next attempt.
0: And it must be that we're bringing the thing together, not just making the lift anyhow. And people can do that, but you can't. You can't plan for that. It's, it's like, oh, we'll get to this and we'll just do anything. You know that that's not in the book of training. And I think that. Um, uh, we've we've gone away from Jodie's point here a little uh when wow. we're talking about you know um uh, you know refinement that's the game of weightlifting isn't it is to challenge the lifter at the heaviest lifts and and ensure that the technique they've built the efficient that efficiency that they have is transferable at the heaviest loads and of course that is a um a whole skill in itself and that not isn't not just the coach, but it is the temperament of the lifter, the attitude of the lifter, et cetera, um, brings these things together. Um, but let's stick on the point. Captain, how do you feel when you go out there and wear the red and black?
3: Well, I've nev- I've, all I've ever worn is the red and black. So but how do
0: you feel when you do it?
3: I feel amazing. Hmm. Like, even when we've gone to the point of just wearing it on a Friday, like, it means something. Hmm. Like, it has to mean something, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that weightlifting, Zach, could well do with more red and black. You know, it could do with a lot more um, clubs that build a unified, um, you know, jointness together, a meaning and significance, a collective, a community, a culture, if you like, that symbolizes something because um, it's a lonely, hard, uh, you know, uh, attritional sport.
3: It's probably the most... (laughs) Um, important piece of clothing I have.
0: Right, and she owns dungarees. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <she does. laughs> uh, yeah. <Wow>. you
0: know, <laughs> Mike. No, it is. Um, you got GB Cymru. That's Wales, Zach. Um,
4: and willpower singlets. Uh, how's your singlet? For me, it's um, it's the foundation behind the, the other two. Um, yeah. without the red and black. You agree you don't have the, the black and red. Yeah. Fucking. Mike, Mike drops bombs yeah. every
0: <laughs> fucking time he speaks. I want. I want what
2: Mike's got. What? With, it, with his words? He's <laughs> got great words. <laughs> yeah. I th- and well, I'm not gonna say anything remotely as impressive as what Mike's just said. Um, <laughs> but it's that. I mean, I and I always compare um, weightlifting to rugby in terms of a. Um, a sort of cultural sense, and I know it's difficult to compare a, a team sport to an individual sport, but you can certainly create a team ethos in this individual sport, and I think that's what we have done in Willpower is yeah. cr- create a team environment in what is a lonely, um, a lonely journey of, of an individual athlete, and um, it's the little things like you know giving um, doing uh, caps,
5: get a cap out. Yeah. Um,
2: um,
0: in I the bar, think,
3: I don't think you should be able to buy the singlet.
0: Uh, well, you can't. It's not for sale. Yeah. Um, so in this club, Zach, um, in in rugby, you have Aww. a cap if you play for Wales. And in this club, if you're the captain, as this captain is, and if you're what Mike, what did you, you won lifter of the year, didn't you? Yeah. Um, you get a velvet cap. And soon enough, Nicholas will hand it over. There we are. It's my thing. And oh, that's look at that. Awesome. You get a cap. Not everybody. I'll show it at this camera. Fucking hell. Show it at the camera, George. Right? You get a velvet cap for something noteworthy in this club. Leave it there. Right? And that is, it's the details. You make something absolutely. A, it's ridiculous, but B, it means a fucking shitload to me and to everyone else that comes in here. And you're always looking at the way in which you can cultivate uh, the environment and make it so meaningful and special for the people in here. Like the clubhouse, which you haven't seen all of it, but you can get the fucking gist of it. There's a, Mm -hmm. a stage over here. There's a bar right by there. And this is our clubhouse. This is where people will come after training and socialize together. And that, you know, I, I feel for remote coaches because you, it's very difficult. You, you have to do, I do a lot of online stuff myself. I want my lifters near me. I want to fucking smell them and feel them. Yeah. You know, I want to f- talk to them. I want them to meet the other lifters. I want to see how they react in the environment. You know, this is that kind of sport. And I think that really what we do here, which is, is I suppose it's appealing to a certain... Kind of person, but it is to cultivate that very thing that is something that is very significant and meaningful for those in it and those outside can understand it. But when you come here, Zach, and you fucking lift on the main platform um, with your six foot four fucking ganglion frame, you know, y- you'll be fucking going to maximum and then you'll be oh in yeah. here. Um, viewer, what you don't realize is fucking Zachy has auditioned in the break and he's uh, he's got a shuffle. He has got a shuffle. <laughs> Um, and Willpower has a house band, and we're looking for a drummer. Look at that. Easy as that. <laughs> fucking Zach's oh, in. gladly
1: drum for the Will house, Willpower house band.
0: Yeah, we all had a fucking uh, smoke and fucking Zach uh, hit a shuffle beat. Lovely. Uh, next to Chris, the Christmas tree.
1: Yeah, right. That's. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been dead as a doornail for forever now. I just leave him there because uh, he's my number one fan when I play music. So Or her. <laughs> yeah yeah chris is a, yeah it could be a woman's name too well you know it's 2021 we i don't want to assume anyone's gender absolutely don't misappropriate that <laughs> fucking shit right now um
0: today's drink sponsor everybody is stockport gin and i was very glad to receive this from uh sean McLaughlin from uh stockport spartans weightlifting who sent me this fucking bottle to my house. Sean's a very good friend of mine and a very good coach. And uh, up there in Stockport, I'm sure the gym is open, and they're firing away, and we have this fucking delicious gin, which we've almost finished, not in one sitting, I would add. It's a small batch craft gin. So if you're in uh, the marketplace for a good gin, Stockport Gin's your fucking goer.
2: Please drink responsibly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great. Um, Now, take a break. All right, we've got to take a break. Hit me a break, music, Nick. (laughs) In the interest of your well-being, viewer, we are going to put forward a series of videographs that will highlight all of the aspects of the remote athlete. So firstly, who is a willpower remote athlete? They could be an athlete from a different country, from this country, one that may have been lifting for some years, and they may be at a plateau, a stage at which none of their training is elevating. Those are the athletes that we serve the best. It could be that you need a different perspective, a different set of eyes to guide you along the development path. When you're at this point, it may well be very disheartening for you as an experienced lifter that finds it frustrating not to be increasing uh, your snatch, your cleaner jerk, your back squat, whatever part of the uh, lifting cycle you're at. Over the years at Willpower, we have helped many athletes increase their competition total, elevating their potential through carefully structured developmental cycles. Gaining access to the Willpower remote athlete team is easy. All you need to do, viewer, is to fill out the extensive application form. Write in a full description of what weightlifting means to you and why you should be accepted onto the Willpower Remote Athlete Weightlifting Team. Back for a second time. Right, Um, so we left it. I don't even know where we fucking left it. Um, I was just doing the gin sponsor. Uh, Zach. You're you're coming back to Britain, uh, you just said yeah. off off camera, on mic but off camera. You're coming back to Britain in the summer, all things being equal.
1: Yeah, A hundred. I mean, like if 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 it's allowed, like that is what uh, I want to go back so bad. Um, you guys know uh, Ramsey Kachacha pretty well. We know right?
0: Ramsey very well. Yeah, he's another yeah. fucking so- long
1: long ganglion. Yep, I stayed with him for four or five days. Yeah. Uh, And he and I actually go back to 2015. We were both at World Championships in Houston, which is also in Texas. Uh, That's where I met him. And then- um, He was filming Yeah, I came out there. I did a few like random little seminars. And then I went to Ireland for a few days as well. Was in Dublin. Um, Great. And I remember talking with Nick and him being like, N- Nicholas Tiberius a- Jones, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he he is just like it's a damn shame you're not coming down to willpower. And I was like, I fucking know, man. Um, uh, so so,
0: have you got a following in the UK? You got forty five thousand clickies on the Insta. What's your YouTube channel at? Oh God, I think uh, so big you don't see. even know. That's like somebody who's fucking rich not knowing how much money they have. <laughs>
1: 127,000. All right. So you've got a few followers. How many of them are in Britain? A decent amount. That, that's basically how I ended up going and getting a seminar in in, uh, in Britain. Uh, someone was, you know, someone said, like, uh, you're th- consider doing seminars. We'd love to have you out here. And I was like, yeah, man, if, if you can find a place for me to do one, that's great. I just didn't think he would respond, you know. I do you want to do one in my God, yeah, that'd be cool. Do you want to do one here? I would love to. I would but, love to. It's um, just a quick, you know, easy, something something easy. And then whoa, whoa, right whoa, whoa, after whoa, whoa. that, hang we on, all just lift.
0: Yeah, just with your own fans. Don't fucking try and fucking coach my lot. Um, You'll be yeah. in the fucking bar playing drums. Uh, But you can organize a, a, a seminar here if you've got fucking sycophants or fans, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's... Like, you know, what's funny is I lost money doing that. Like, and I didn't care. It was so fun. I had so much fun, Right. you know? Um, So there you go. If if you're uh, watching this and
0: you know him, the fucking Telecaster, um, he can run a seminar here at me fucking gym and you can all come along and enjoy yourselves and then you can fuck off and we'll play some music after Zach. (laughs) <laughs> that
1: sounds like a
0: fucking deal. I'm right. in. And we'll have a lot of fucking beef. Do you eat beef? You must do it in yeah. Texas. <laughs> yes. We'll have a lot of fucking beef.
2: You could show us a thing or two about um, slow cooking. Does it, about do you slow- know what, Smoking.
1: Can you smoke? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what we do. It's barbecue down yeah. here. N- not we. You. Can you do it? Oh, yeah. Right. I got my ribs. Ribs.
0: That's my thing. If that's your fucking thing. We'll be cooking a lot. You can stay at my house. You can have the fucking spare bed in the front of the fucking house, and stay here for a couple of weeks. And we'll fucking cook barbecue and play music and do weightlifting. I'm down. I'm there. All right. That's a fucking come in. One. Right. Um, tell me, Zach. Uh, when you were in the UK, um, did do you know? Is it, is it Chris Speed? Yes. Chris so that's Cock, co- I call it
1: where I did my seminar was Chris Speed's place,
0: right? Okay, and that's how you know Tiberius, is that right? Yes, so you didn't study here or anything like that, you just visited. What do you mean? D- did you study in the UK or did you just visit? Oh, no, no, no,
1: yeah, no, I was it was just visiting, yeah, right? But I was there for only like a few weeks, okay, good,
0: um, right? So you met Tiberius on the interwebs. What was your first yep. impression? <laughs> I
2: was wondering where that was going. <laughs>
5: yeah, yeah. You
1: know, it's hard to get someone. It's hard to get a full spectrum of who someone is on, You're on right there. online. <laughs> uh, he had a few really uh, interesting, like TikToks recently, but I think that was later, later on or something. Um, but when I met him, he there was a video on Conor McGregor that he did. The uh, YouTube self on one.
2: What was that, Jordan? The self-efficacy one.
1: Yeah. And I really, really liked that a lot. I thought that was very, very well done. And then the recent video uh, on the uh, Welsh rugby team, Mm. that was fantastic. And then the uh, video on Ayan was fantastic as well. I referenced that in one of my own videos. So I think he's a very talented guy. He is. Um, You know, so, so yeah. Uh that's that's my impression of them. They're all positive. Were you expecting me to talk some shit? Is that? No. no. Just just the truth. That's all I, I'll to handle the truth. Well, Great. I, I was.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, was ten, Have you Have you personally been a member of a weightlifting club?
1: No. Uh No, cuz I I basically only represented the clubs that I've coached. Got you. Well, yeah. in this
0: club and this is a supplemental, Uh, there's something called a bottom feeder. Would that translate in America? You know the fish... Expand. The fish that swim at the bottom of the sea that suck up all the fucking detritus. The bottom feeder. Yeah. So this next segment is called the value of the bottom feeder. So here we always have a bottom feeder and people think that this is a detrimental term but i can tell you that every bottom feeder that we've had in this gym has been a vital component to the harmony of the whole atmosphere Geordie, who's your favorite bottom feeder that
2: we've had here um i have two in mind well i'm asking for one well i'm gonna give you two <laughs> i'm asking for one i'm giving you two Fuck. It. <laughs> the first um is obviously tom wayne Tom Wayne he was a dear friend of mine and he um he was a bottom feeder for some time and climbed his way up the ranks um and established himself as gym captain but the my favorite bottom feeder was Callum I was going to say oh, Callum, Callum That's the
3: Callum. only one I've known Callum That's the only one I've known he
2: was a yeah. he was a he reinvented <laughs> the bottom feeder <laughs> he role he did amazing um you know little I believe um, he phlegmed in the shower. So this
0: fucking prick, <laughs> oh right? God. He trains Zach <laughs> at 6 a.m. in the gym, right? So he train at 6, he'd leave for work, and he fucking phlegms in my shower, and I go in my fucking shower after my, well, I didn't have a sauna then, but I just go in my shower, to fucking shower after training, I'm standing in this fucking kid's phlegm. <laughs> and he's fucking phlegm. He has the fucking bollocks to leave the phlegm. In my, do you remember when he fucking molested my wife at the fucking <laughs> that, do? That's
3: all I remembered. Do you remember that? Because I just remember. he fucking
0: grabs hold of my wife and he's fucking all over her at our fucking club do.
2: <laughs> I'll amazing. I'll, I don't think so. I'll, I'll add a bit of context. <laughs> <laughs> um, he didn't molest molest her. Uh, um, your wife, my auntie. <laughs>
3: um,
2: they dance. They danced.
3: That's, how, that's <laughs> how it. That's how it got portrayed. <laughs>
2: yeah. My point being, I mean, so what Callum. Then? Callum was a wonderful bottom
0: feeder.
3: He
2: was a brilliant bottom um, feeder. The bottom feeder's role is to add spice
0: to the atmosphere that nobody else can do, right?
2: Whilst being shit at what they do.
0: L- well, well, they they don't have to be a bad weightlifter, but they certainly have to be a fucking. They have to add something unique to the atmosphere. That's what a bottom feeder does. And they do it in a way that no one else can do it. They say things that are so fucking ridiculous (laughs) that nobody else can do that. And that's the value of it because most gym members sort of sit in this sort of mid-ground where they come in, they get on with training, they support people. The bottom feeder can come up with something so unbelievably fucking ludicrous that it just fucking (laughs) ignites the atmosphere and you feed off it for weeks.
2: Yeah, it, it... So you know, weightlifting can be a tough sport, and you need yeah. a bit of a bit of humor in in training. You have to and the bottom feeder provides it, can every provide day. it in abundance. They don't
0: even know they're doing
1: it. No, nope. yeah, they, the c- they're not trying to be no. funny. They're just providing. Correct,
0: right? Yeah. They don't even fucking know that it's happening, and all of a sudden, it just happens, and that is why the bottom <laughs> feeder is like in in a tough sport in a in a close knit club. Um, it's a fucking vital group. Mike, who's your favorite bottom <laughs> feeder?
4: I, I can't really add much more to this, you know. I think Carlin was the epitome of... He was. Uh, uh, molested uh, my
0: wife, flemed on my fucking shower floor, and then the fucking cheeky bastard. <laughs> he, said, he said to me one day, he said, um, Justin, I said, yes. He said, you claim to have done quite a bit. I said, fucking claim? <laughs> I said, what the fuck do you mean claim? He said, well, you fucking said you've done this, you've done that, etc. You've claimed to have done a lot. That didn't go down well, Zach. I can fucking promise you. And he, um, he's a very nice young man, wasn't he? And yeah. he, he came in, um, uh, a, a very um, modest athlete, and I'm being generous, uh, but he added a lot of value to the club, Brian as well. Brian was fucking outstanding as a bottom feeder. Some, some of the most outrageous things. Brian came in w- one day with a bottle of fucking champagne, closed with the fucking lid on, and the champagne exploded <laughs> in his hands. Do you remember that? And just fucking exploded <laughs> in his fucking hands. And he's just fucking standing there with his beautiful body. With his fucking champagne <laughs> just fucking gushing out, etc. That, that here is an important role. And uh, I don't believe we have a bottom feeder right now, do we?
3: Callum, I remember, th- I remember thinking um, I was too nervous to go to a Christmas do with you lot. And I didn't go. And then coming back from the Christmas do... You explaining what he'd done at the Christmas deal and I molesting thought, my wife wow yeah. like you I was too scared to go to that deal, and you've done that on that Christmas deal. like fair play
0: yeah <laughs> right, so you wouldn't have encountered that Zach being a American and b um you know what about in your athletic sports
1: <laughs> no I think I think what i'm I'm gathering here is is Another thing they provide is great banter that you oh, guys can great, rely on rely banter. on for future jokes. Like they create this meta content of just like the funniest most random shit ever, which is essential for gym banter. Absolutely. Yeah. You must have. You know, it. In, in between sets, if if, you know, you can you can always be kind of serious, sit there and kind of like whatever. But if it's one of those days, you're feeling a bit goofy, it's nice to have like a set banter that was created by some fucking weirdo, that wouldn't have been created by someone who isn't a weirdo. So I'm I'm right there with you. They need fixed skin as well, don't they? Oh yeah, fucking hell. You're gonna get a lot of fucking ribbon here. A lot of flack if you're the
0: bottom feeder. A lot of
3: ribbon, but a lot a
0: l- of love. A load of love. Yeah. We fucking love so all of them.
3: It's not just ribbon.
0: Right, next segue. Um, when lifters want to get wanked off, do you what? know what wanking is, Zach?
1: Yeah, masturbating.
0: That's right, off. that's right. I don't know if it translates in America. Right, so your lifter makes a lift. It's fucking ordinary. In other words, <laughs> it's technically correct, which should be the standard. Um, and they look over like they need some fucking praise. I'm not wanking fucking lifters off for doing ordinary lifting. I'll shake their hand for a personal record. Anything below that is fucking standard weightlifting. We're not looking to be wanged off, just a bit of (laughs) acknowledgement. You fucking (laughs) (laughs) That's the way it goes. Fucking lifters look over, they want the praise all the time. You can't just, it's false praise. You haven't done anything of fucking, somebody uh, the other day was fucking doing something at 80%. I said, this is fucking 80%. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you fucking whoopering and hollering (laughs) over fucking 80%? This is fucking meat and drink
3: territory. I think sometimes you purposely don't look, don't you?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Abso-
3: I actually. Yeah, what I'll do is, as soon as the bar drops, I turn. Not look.
2: Yeah, Zach. Right. As soon as the right, bar so drops. As soon <laughs> as the bar goes down, I turn. Yep. You're, well, you're terrible for that. Wait, wait a second. Can I just say, Zach,
0: you're a coach, right? Imagine yep. you're coaching fifteen people in a room. That bar goes down. Someone else is just about to start yeah. their lift. It's not because yeah. I'm not, I don't want to go, oh, that's fucking great, I'm going to no. fucking wank you off. I'm not wanking you off, but I'm over here focusing on the details that this one needs.
3: And a lot of times, which I, I can see, is a lot of times when you lift, he's watching you, and when you look for him, he's not, but he's watched every single one. I'm watching every and fucking I, thing. And I'm I, sorry, but...
2: <laughs> fucking watching it all. Uh, let's all have a go at Geordie. <laughs> no, no,
3: I'm not going go, Yeah, but I know it.
2: Lasher just texted me and said, "Fucking have it, <laughs> fucking
3: <laughs> unleash." No, no it's, 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 it's right.
2: Yeah, um, I think w- the term "wanking off" implies that we're looking for something greater than. I don't like
3: wanking off.
2: I don't mind that, Captain. You can you can like or dislike what you want, but I, the metaphor stands. <laughs> But they want me to
0: go over there, get their fucking cock out, fucking wank them to a fucking uh, no, cum shot. No,
3: they don't.
2: Not <laughs> happening. I would see it as. They want um, the, the agreement. You are you are a source of a lot of people's. Um. You know, a lot of people look, look at you for. Yeah. You know, I'd see it as a good thing. Okay,
0: so. Let me just define that. So if if they're looking over, if they make the lift, the bar goes. Down. I'm already on the next one because that one's looking for me to fucking watch as well.
2: I agree. That's I'm important. I'm a hypocrite with this as well because um, when things are going well for me, um, I'd never look at you. So it's it's never only does. it's only when things are things are you know on a downward spiral, um, I look over for answers. You know because it's easier to look to you for answers than to me for answers. Oh,
0: externalizing. Fucking wow. hell. We're going... We're going to get deep now. We're going a
2: layer deeper. Um, and that's true, isn't it? It's you know, you, you're, looking, you, you're looking at other ways of not making yourself accountable. Can I just say, Mike, what did you say to me tonight?
4: Uh, what, what are we referring to? <laughs> well, I came over
0: and sat by you, and you said, what did you say?
4: I said, I didn't give a fuck about this.
0: And I said what?
4: yourself in the mirror
0: exactly thank you very
1: much what do you do zach Uh, like i i think even today uh grant i was coaching him today and um i think a lot of times if people were to see the way that i cue someone after a miss like if grant has a silly miss the way that i cue him the way that i talk to him is very uh like stern like you know what to fucking do, like fix this. Like, like it's it's more of um I'm not it's it's not really like I'm teasing him, but I'm I'm trying to fire him up and being like, listen, simplify the fucking game. Figure it out. Like, you know, t- today he was doing uh hang cleans and he was going for maximum, or I allowed him to after his percentage work before that. And he missed it, he missed a lift off of a clean that he should have had, and um I basically just like kind of fired off a bunch of shit being like, you should know better, right? And we're at the level, him and I, where I think someone, if they heard me say something like that to them, they might be discouraged and um, they they might feel as though I'm being hurtful in the way that I'm speaking, but he reacts to it in a positive way now. Um, and that took conditioning to do that. And And one of those things is like, I'm not going to... You know, I'm not going to jerk you off when you do something the way that you're supposed to do it. What I will, I, I will, might not even say anything. I might just, you do something correct, I might just look at you. And then you look at me. And then I just turn my eyes and look somewhere else. Is that what you know, he, yeah. he, he's aware that I'm watching. I'm aware that he's aware that I'm watching. Like, we don't need to say anything.
0: Correct. Um, do you feel that your psychological approach has changed as you have become more experienced as a coach? 100%. Explain to Without me. Without a doubt. Who was, who because was I fucking, see a bigger vision. Who was vision. the puppy? Who was the Zach Talender
1: puppy years ago? Oh, yeah. The Zach Talender puppy is I'm going... W- today, we're going to PR. Next week, we're going to PR. I'm going to take you to the fucking moon. All right? Like, Elon me and fucking you, buddy. Musk we're PRing right now. It's going to keep going. Right. Fucking Elon Musk. Abs yeah, exactly. Now I'm more skeptical. Now I'm more I hold everything back. I say congratulations. You hit a big lift in training. Doesn't mean shit. No one cares. You know, you wanna be you wanna go to Pan Am's, you wanna do it, you have to hit it there. So congrats. Like I'm I'm what I'm saying to you right now is I'm happy you did exactly what you were supposed to. You moved proficiently and you and you hit a PR. Uh, or a PB, as you guys say, right? Yeah. Uh, But let's move the fuck on. Uh, And then beyond that, like, you know, you cannot be searching for this feeling. Right. So you're at the Juggernaut,
0: and you've got experienced coaches there. And how did you land the gig? What happened?
1: Oh, man, this... So I I started remote coaching... Well, first off, I, I started coaching in person uh through xfit as um mikey over there likes to call it uh nice. it, it, i started coaching i started coaching through crossfit um and i started training through crossfit I- initially and there i had to onboard people into learning how to snatch and clean and jerk so what's, what's onboard? and i was mean? at a,
0: what does uh, what does just, onboard
1: mean basically teach them things before they enter classes okay coaching yeah but it was more like eyes on to make sure these beginners can at least get into a class right uh and it it was hard you know because i at that point i started competing in weightlifting and i wanted these people to move as well as possible but it's crossfit so there's you know a hundred different movements they have to be proficient in So what I had to do was be as efficient as possible with the time that I had and the way that I taught beginners was different. It was, it was, you know, it it was just more nuanced. It had to do with getting them to move the proper way as quickly as possible. So we could move on. Um, from there, I had took those ideas on teaching the beginner and I started making these videos. Um, I was able to do like weightlifting specific classes on weekends and things like that. And when I made these videos, I had more and more success, you know, more drive to my content. And then people were wondering if I had coaching, if, if I offered remote coaching, they came to me. And so I said, Oh, that sounds like a good idea. So I started doing it, taking on more and more athletes then I was able to take on enough athletes to the point where I just stopped doing everything else but coaching and competing myself. What year was that, Zach? Uh, that was 2016 and I started coaching in 2013. Got you. So, um, <clears throat> so, so yeah, from, from there, uh, I realized that this, wherever I was like, there was going to be a limit. Um, and this is something that one of my mentors, Max Ada, this is like one thing that he said is like, what have you done to yourself? So what, what have you done with, let's say your total, where have you taken it yourself from here to where, where, what is that body of work? And it doesn't mean, you know, what have you done? Meaning like, have you gone to nationals? Have you gone to the Olympics? Like, it's not even that it's like, what have you done over a long period of time? That proves that you're making improvements. Next step after that is, what have you done with other lifters over long periods of time to prove that you've improved them? And then finally, how have how have you educated yourself? And 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 I mean formally, um, formally and somewhat informally. And for me, I was searching for growing athletes over longer periods of time to do more of that, but I would not have been able to do that just doing this thing where it's like, Hey, everyone, come on in. We're going to do remote coaching and see what happens. So what I did was I wanted coaching from someone I respect myself. I sought out Max Ada. I started paying him for coaching. And then I, I mentioned, I was like, you know, I'm a slightly different scenario than your typical remote lifter. I coach people myself. He's like, yeah, I I completely understand that. And I was saying, well, you know, would it be possible to have you be my mentor? And he said, yeah, you know, he said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And what I realized though, is like when I ask someone to be my mentor, the onus is on me to make that shit work, to make that shit happen. I've I've had a lot of people come to me and say, can you be my mentor? And I said, okay. And then they they just stopped talking to me. You know, they stopped, they didn't pursue me. What I did was when Max said, you know, Juggernaut is having a, um, uh, we're going to this national event in Memphis, right? Uh, I go, okay, cool. I bought an Airbnb. I bought a plane ticket and I loaded bars. I fucking loaded bars in the back room for team Juggernaut because that I and I and I, all I did was talk with Max about weightlifting and all I did was shake hands with the other coaches I lost money I, I I'm paying to be mentored I'm paying to educate myself through my own means and I continued to do this until there was a point where I was able to bring national lifters to national meets and I said I will make them representatives of team juggernaut after I did that enough times the owner the the the, the the, the only owner of everything juggernaut, Chad Wesley Smith. He's a renowned coach and powerlifter. He has tons of content online, very successful in the strength and conditioning world. He basically offered me the job to be an official weightlifting coach. But that process was part of my re-education. It was part of the sacrifices that I had to make going forward. Sorry, that was long-winded, but that was- Yep, you got there in the
0: end, Zach. Um- Well, it sounds like you're in a very good place. You're in a very good weightlifting house, that's for sure. You know, Juggernaut, I I know them well. I've got a lot of respect for Max and uh, Chad himself. Um, You're right, the content they put out is always very thorough, well thought out, and um, very hard to contradict, I always find. It's very well done indeed. And there you sit in that place. How much time we got, Nick? Four minutes. We've got four minutes left, Zach, before we uh, finish it three minutes right um so what's next for you and make this fucking short you americans talk way too long
1: what's next for me is just continuing to do what i normally do uh i, I want to produce more weightlifters uh but i've i focused more on music man i'm getting in into the studio and recording music will house band ben. fucking hell here we yeah. go and how many yeah, so- remote
0: athletes have you got there zach
1: floating around the ether uh right now i have around 30 remote and then uh five of them or six of them are nationally qualified got you and are you enjoying yourself i am i'm so fucking lucky man i think we all are to be to have such passion for this sport we live our holiday zach we live the holiday
0: fucking great right um well there we are i've got nothing left on me fucking sheets to go uh thank you everyone for joining us on episode three of the willpower weightlifting podcast um thanks to the telecaster from fucking austin texas to thank you for having me that's our pleasure zach michael farmer jordan sakaas and the captain beowulf herself (laughs) captain Kedwood.
3: happy birthday jord
0: see you oh yeah happy birthday (laughs) there we are thank you job
3: done